Well, hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bridging the Digital Divide. I'm here with my friend and Sherpa guide, Brad McKenna from the library. Hey, Brad, how you doing? Good, how you doing, Lisa? I'm doing all right, you know, best we can do under the circumstances. This is season three, dun-dun-dun, episode <laughs> four. Today, we're going to talk about some fun stuff, a little technology stuff, as we always do. We're going to start off with QR codes. And for those of you who don't know what those are, which would be me also, um, those are those little things that now they make you uh, scan with your phone at restaurants. But they have other applications for that sort of thing. So we're going to talk a little bit about QR codes and hopefully make you somewhat of an expert today about what they are. QR code stands for a quick response code. Who knew? But what does it really mean, Brad? What? So it's basically just a barcode. I mean, that's really what it is. Well, it's goodbye. That's the end of our show. <laughs> Thanks for coming. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. We'll be back next week. No, um, I have something here a little bit. It is a type of matrix barcode invented in 1994. You know, it amazes me every time we talk about, using air quotes, new technology. Yeah. And most of this stuff is not new, really. No. Um, it's just new to us, you know. So um, invented in 94 by the Japanese automotive company Denso Wave. A barcode is a machine-readable optical label that contains information about the item to which it is attached. Well, that sounds easy enough. Um, originally, this company was using it for different applications, but then COVID came, and we started seeing, <laughs> yeah, and we started seeing, um, you know, you would go to a restaurant, you couldn't touch paper, or you couldn't see paper. And I guess the restaurant industry must have been psyched yeah. about this, because yeah. it definitely helped them, um, you know, because there were so many expenses that restaurants and other, uh, many businesses, not just restaurants, so please don't write us about that, <laughs> but, um, you know, had to go through, and I, I don't like QR codes. I told you I was going to say yes. that. Um, I like technology, but I like holding things. I like the physical page. I like to actually read a menu. Um, and when we would go to a place and we would sit down and they would say, oh, just use your phone. And ugh, really, no. <laughs> but I do understand the um, the safety ramifications of it. And I guess I'm glad the technology existed. But I'm wondering how it went from being used for the applications it was originally used for to people saying, hey, let's use this for menus, you know. So somebody must have got the genius idea. Somebody must have known these QR code things existed and said, why don't we use it for that? So it's kind of cool that technology exists and sometimes we apply it in different ways. But how it works, I guess, is a QR code consists of black squares. We've all seen it, I hope. <laughs> Arranged in a square grid on a white background, which can be read by an imaging device such as a camera. And processed using Reed Solomon error correction. Do you know what that is? What's that? Well, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a program that uh, reads symbols. So the QR code, if, you, if you're thinking about it, if you're visualizing it as we're talking, um, you know the QR yeah. code is this little square thing. It's sort of funky looking with little weird dots in there. So the Solomon Reed program is the one that actually teaches the QR to read what it reads, right? theoretically. And please <laughs> write me if I've totally ruined it. But that's basically what it does. And it, it the data is then extracted from the patterns that are presented in horizontal and vertical components. I guess um, the horizontal and vertical together is a newish thing. 
I guess it used to be only horizontal. Right. Yeah. Talk, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, if you if you see if you look at the back of a book, like an ISBN on a book has that's a barcode, so it's the same basic concept. They just they just give it an extra dimension, so you now have the availability to do more. And I'm not sure if it allows for like linking to new things because the barcode basically just ties like uh, price information to a car or a book or something like that. Right, right. So originally the QR code wasn't used for what we're using it right. for now. It was intended to kind of help manufacturers of cars or other stuff or like you think of um, those long barcodes on the bottom of stuff, like when you try to do the checkout self-scan yeah. at a store, you know, and you try to find, it's fun, actually. You try to find <laughs> the little label thing. It's similar to that right. technology, but a little bit different. What do you think about QR codes? Do you like them? I do. I like them because it's... Of course it's, you do. Yeah. <laughs> it gives you a lot more options because we, we uh, I've seen these on like uh, trails in like the White Mountains or oh, even around here oh. where they have like a little post and what you can do is you can take a picture of like the regrowth of an oh. area and then you scan the barcode and you can upload the photo so that way um, it's part of citizen science. So it's a way to monitor the health of nature. Interesting. So you said barcode. Sorry, yeah, it's QR code. It's okay, yes. that's okay. <laughs> Just keeping it real yeah, here no, in the kingdom. <laughs> All right, so so yeah, um, you know, I have to tell you, initially I didn't even know how to use it. I had a friend with me, and I'm yeah. like, ah, oh, what do I do? And Safari picks it right up. Yeah. So it's a little different if you've never used it. I thought I would have to take a picture of it with my camera. Right. No, friends, that's not how it works. <laughs> you have to actually vis- visually look at it, and then magically through technology land the phone picks it up and gives you that information right yes it depends on the operating system uh, iPhones have been able to use the, the built-in camera to pick up the link to you know, a YouTube video a website an email address mm-hmm. easily um, older I don't know if it's uh, current for Android but older Android phones you have to download a QR code app in Ugh. order to do it and the app basically just uses the camera and the thing you were mentioning earlier is the language behind yes, it. Yes, yes. The that, read technology. There you go. So it understands that te- that language. And that's spelled R-E-E-D, there by the go. way. Reed Solomon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably two guys together just figuring some stuff out. <laughs> but Reed Solomon is the guys who made the coding that, you know, made the house that Jack lived in, right? But mm-hmm. basically they um, created the original technology and then it kind of morphed into uh, what the QR code people use. I don't like it because on my phone, I have a somewhat smallish phone. I do not have one of those big monsters that cannot fit in your back pocket (laughs) that's bigger than your palm of your hand. (laughs) And the problem I'm having is I can't see the full menu large enough. I'm not blind, uh, you know, and I'm getting older, but I can still see, good Lord. And when it's on my phone, it's not as comfy for me as a consumer to read it that way. Sure, and I, and I think that's definitely um, something to think about. Um, one thing you could probably do is just once you scan the, f- uh, the QR code and are taken wherever you want to be taken, you can email it to yourself and therefore you can look at it, uh, whatever they're trying to get you mm-hmm. to look at you know, when you get home or something. So let me, so let me ask you, um, can a QR code be read by a tablet, like a Kindle or something, as long as it has a camera app? It depends, it yeah. So to, right? each operating system is a little different. I, uh, I don't know if like the, the Amazon App Store has a QR code reader. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if they do. If they if they do, mm. because it's just another option. Yeah. So here I am going to bring my tablet yeah. to the restaurant. <laughs> 
There you go. <laughs> I'm going to pull out my laptop so I can see if you have calamari, right? But um, I get it, yeah. why it exists. And I guess in, in some ways, it's nice that we have a safe way to look at information. And it's kind of cool that it came from another place of technology and now moved into that. Anything else we want to know about it, do you think? It's been around for, like you said, it's been around for a while. And I think that sometimes it takes, um, not a pandemic, but it takes time for a technology to really figure out what you want to use it for. Because mm-hmm. in the beginning, I remember seeing them like in schools, in like buildings where like there'd be a QR code would just have a link to like a website, not like even a specific part of a website. It would just be a website. And that's not really useful because you can just type in the website name and in your phone and go go there anyway. But once it became more um, integrated. Mainstream, I think. Yeah, yeah that too. So like it, it, the uh, restaurants needed some way to distance. And this mm-hmm. was a perfect way to kind right. of pass information without actually touching. Because I did think about that. I was like, oh, what are they going to, you know, as we started yeah. thinking during the pandemic, everything has to be different now. Everything we did yeah. And they're still doing yeah. is different and will be probably different, which is okay yeah. for a long time. <laughs> but it's kind of cool. Somebody, I can't even imagine who it must have been sitting around going, you know, we could take that QR code yeah. thing and we could make menus out of it. Uh, they can also be used to store bank account information or credit card information. And they can be used to work with particular payment providers. Yeah. I'm not sure I like that. Though. Yeah, I think PayPal is the first one. Uh, this is the, that's kind of how it's gonna. That's how we got into the QR codes for this episode. Is the PayPal? So you you can actually download the PayPal app, create a QR code, and you can have somebody s- scan this code and give you money through PayPal. So you can link your credit card. I, I think you actually link your PayPal account mm. to a credit card. And so you can exchange money by just scanning a QR code, <laughs> which is definitely dangerous. Mm, you know? I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, can't we just use Venmo, friends? <laughs> I don't know. Right. I mean, that's that's the thing is there's usually more than one option to do things. Right, right. And so I think hopefully safety it plays a, pa- uh, a role I mean, okay. in what is what is adopted widely. Yes. So let's think about it. A QR code, if you're thinking about what it looks like, because I know we're talking to you. So if you're thinking about what it looks like, do you think it would be safer because the data is encrypted differently, meaning it's in an image can you really crack an image that easily? Just words is different, but an actual image that I create with all the little ones and twos and all the little horizontals and yeah. verticals, I don't know. It, so may, I think it might be safer almost, maybe. In, in this case, I mean, you're not going to you're not going to send somebody. You're going to receive money, right? So you have to. It's a manual interaction to send money with the QR code. So it's not like someone can get into your account by scanning it. Okay. You can just get money through the QR code. So someone can't like scan the QR okay. code, has access to your account, and take money. It's a wonder one. This way is street. what I was going to say. It's yeah. almost like a one-time thing, not yeah. really, but it's like the one use, the one and done. Yeah. Here's a cute little use for it. I found funerals. <laughs> a QR code can link to an obituary, and it can be placed on a headstone. Oh, interesting. Yeah. What do you know? In 2008, Japan, they began to sell tombstones with QR codes. I just don't even know what to say about that. <laughs> the code leads to a virtual grave site of the deceased. At the physical grave site. I don't even led- know what to say. <laughs> um, I guess that's nice. It's a, 
I don't know what to say about that. Um, I guess that's good. It's a nice thing, certainly, to be able to have. It just shows you that technology can be used in so many different ways. And and Japan and China, too, seem to, duh, seem to be the leaders with mm. these things. Now, I don't know what the need would be. If I, if I ran a funeral home, would I be sitting there thinking, well, hey, maybe I'll make a QR code? I don't know. I don't know why they're doing that. I'm wondering if it's to promote people not going out to grave sites or not being in cemetery. I don't know why why the need was felt. I want more information they about did the it. deceased, right? They so did like, it. Usually in a tombstone, you only have like the birth right. and death birth and, and maybe death. a spouse or something. Yeah, with a QR code, you can scan and learn about the person that you're, whose grave you're standing in. Lovely, Brad. So when I go, please <laughs> do not QR code my grave. Please don't do that. <laughs> don't put a QR on my... Oh, that might be kind of funny. I won't be here, so I won't know. Do we think we've covered everything about that? I mean, we do have to say there's a difference between data matrix barcode and QR code. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? I'm not, I'm not too familiar with the data matrix. Okay, so I can say that a data matrix is a one-dimensional. It's one-dimensional. Okay, um, but the QR code is two-dimensional. Two dimension, yeah. So I think harder to hack would be the deal here. More probably, complex. Right? Sure, you can do more with it. More, more, the more variables you have, the, the harder things are, the more complex. More it can Yippee. do, more it can go wrong. <laughs> one-dimensional barcodes such as EAN code? Yeah, I think yeah. it's different. I think it's Consist- similar to the barcodes. Yeah, it is. It consists of varying widths and spacing of parallel lines. Oh, These are okay. also called linear barcodes. Okay. So just like QR codes, data matrix codes are 2D barcodes. They're usually square in shape and encode information in the form of square, black, and white dots, forming the so-called timing pattern. <laughs> Whoop-de-doo. Well, we're all so thrilled. I have pictures of them. Um, I, I, I just don't know what to think about the QR code. I don't like it. And I hope we go back to paper and laminated menus soon. <laughs> I just do. <laughs> All right. What is next on our hit parade for this? Do we want to do NFT or we want to talk about acorns? What do you think? Let's do NFTs. Okay, great. Let's explain what that is. NFT stands for non-fungible token. I love that you said yeah. that. <laughs> this and is this Would wild. you spell that, please? It's F-U-N-G-I-B-L-E. I-B-L-E. Yes. Fungible. Okay. It just means it can't be changed. Oh, nice. All right. So use that in your daily life, my friends. Why do we need these? What do they do? So it's basically, it proves ownership. It actually uses our old friend blockchain in order to <gasps> to track the ownership change of a digital object. And it's it's mm-hmm. very similar to DRM, which is digital rights management on eBooks. And so DRM is a line of code in an eBook that basically tracks how long you can have it out. And so three ah. weeks. And so after that three weeks is up, the DRM code locks out the file. Okay. So let me see if I can put this into simple terms for people like me. So I borrow an ebook, which means it's not I'm not holding it. It's right. physically on a device. Yep. That's what the e part is, right? Yep. Okay. And then when it comes time that that ebook expires, mm-hmm. my rental period or my borrowing period expires, I normally would turn that physical book into the library, or maybe I'd be late and I'd get charged. But in this case, the NFT actually shuts off or doesn't let me go back in. Yeah, so that's the DRM, right? The DRM will shut it off, and so the way it... it, correlates to the nft is everything online so these nfts are usually just pictures or short little video clips and the nature of the internet means that you can copy 
that file. You can copy that video clip and store it offline yourself or you copy that image and store it offline. What the NFT does is it proves ownership. And so they're selling highlight. The NBA is big. So the NBA has something called NBA Top Shots. Who is NBA? The NBA, the National Basketball. Ah. Yes. I, I'm like, it can't be a sporto <laughs> thing. It is. But it is. Okay. So you mean the sporto guys. The sport of basketball, yes. They're, wow. selling, they're selling little highlights and they have this line of code to, uh, embedded in the, in the oh, highlight okay. that makes it an NFT. And someone buys this highlight and oh. um, and mm-hmm. they prove they own it by that line of code, that NFT line of code. So they're borrowing it. They don't really own it. They do own it. Wait a minute. They now. do. Own let's it. let's yep. backtrack. So that's where so it changes. For this the is DRM. interesting. This mm-hmm. is interesting because I have not watched a lot of sports, but I've seen enough to know. <laughs> they say this cannot be rebroadcast. Right. Please don't do that. And they always say that you know don't right. rebroadcast this, and everybody's DVRing and sharing and all this stuff. And we really shouldn't be according to those rules. Right. You're telling me an NFT yep. allows me to purchase the rights to. To broadcast that? No, you just basically own the clip. I mean, you can't really broadcast it. Mm. It's really weird. So yeah, the, the, it's, that's sketchy. The the because what what's going to stop me from taking that clip and showing it in a room full of thousands so you of people? Can sh- so it's usually only like five seconds. So it doesn't matter. Oh, it's not like a okay. whole game. So it's okay. it's basically tr- uh, trading cards, sports cards, oh, the next okay, generation. Okay, okay. And oh. so, like, you have you collect these images that have the NFT that prove that you bought it and not some schmo that just saw it when you broadcast it to them, which you can do, and copied it for okay. themselves. They okay. don't have this line of code that says, yes, I own it. Okay. So the NFT protects the, uh, the person who created the clip or that organization, but and it also protects the buyer, buyer, too, Yep. so that if something goes wrong, you can say, I have this yes. NFT allowance or permission I own it, right, yes. to yep. do this thing. That's got to be great for the art world, too. <laughs> yeah, I think so NFT has got to be great for that. There's, there, the, uh, so there's an artist called Beeple. I've never heard of him before, but like he... He is a digital artist, so like all of his artwork is digital, and he created this one image and attached the NFT to it using the blockchain technology, and it sold for $69 million. Lord. Just this one thing. And so the it's $69 million if he has that line of code. There's nothing stopping me from like taking a screenshot of this image and having, air quotes, having that piece of artwork. But because I don't have that line of code, the NFT, I don't have ownership of it, and I can't and I, I can't prove that I have the ownership. So it's just okay. a copy. So if I was being bad, yes, and I made that copy and I showed that, there's nothing to get me in trouble until the feds come. Yeah, and well, then, well, yeah, and right. Then it's yeah. Miss Capala. You don't have the NFT code to prove that you own this thing. That's where the consumer. Yeah gets into trouble I, so like i don't even know if it's trouble because you you can't you, you don't have to have, pay you, you have to pay to get access right you pay, you're paying for that line of code yeah you're not, you're not even paying you're paying for, for the, the nft so you that gets you, you to the image right when you copy you, the nft line of code does not copy with it oh <gasps> that's where the trick is Wow. So that's what it is. So well, that makes sense because yeah. theoretically, just thinking out loud here as we're broadcasting this to you, <laughs> um, so that would mean if I got the NFT code, I could just copy that and why couldn't I just paste it and give it to other folks too? Because it's attached to the blockchain. The blockchain tra- <sighs> traces the, the, the uh, transaction history. And so by copying it, I can copy the image, but I don't copy that, uh, that authentication, the mm. NFT line of code okay. saying I'm authenticated. And the interesting thing here too is that because it's attached to blockchain and you can see uh, where it's being sold to, where it's being sold from, that allows the previous owners to get a cut 
of the oh, next sale. like a royalty. Yeah, essentially. Yes, like on the radio where you play music and yep. you have to have permission. So this is more a protection for those who own whatever it is. It's How does it? It is. It why? Is, yeah, why it's do definitely, we need it? I, so like that's the thing is is this one of these technologies is gonna be a flash in the pan yeah like laser discs or something like that oh, yeah, yeah, right yeah, yeah, yeah. so like the, it seems like a fairly good idea and it's interesting and a creative. But what are the applications to... like? Okay, sports you said. Yep, sports, and clips, uh, video clips. Yep, and art. Yep, trading card like so like it's a new trading so it's like. Like I said, it's a new trading card, essentially. Um, but, yeah, but people that I think collect items want to physically touch these items. When you're a collector, I'm not, but I have some things that I collect kind of, you know, um, you want, I think, most collectors like being able to display their work and touch their work and move it around and show it to people. You can't do that with so is, a clip. Is that the new- I suppose you could. You could have like a folder of all your... NFT allowed clips, yeah. but once you show that to someone else, is that legal? Sure, I mean because you don't you're you're paying for that line of code essentially, and so it doesn't matter if someone like if someone sees it because but the sharing is the problem because so, as soon as you share it out, that's you're breaking the law. Yeah, but you're not though. So that's where this is where it gets so murky because yeah, you're buying the broadcast rights essentially for that clip. So you have you can do whatever you want. It's yours. You can um, theoretically resell it. Mm-hmm. But so like I think that makes it easier to enforce and easier to protect ownership. And so like with a physical painting, if you steal it, you have it. But the uh, analog, the the digital. Um, a parallel for this is like a fi- uh, the viewing the video file mm-hmm. and you can copy that but you're not copying the ownership part of it which is the NFT. I understand. It's really weird. I think I, I get it. Yeah. I, I do have a little line that I can read here. It okay. says NFTs are designed to give you something that can't be copied and ownership of the work though the artist still retains the copyright and reproduction rights right. just like physical artwork. So you kind of got to break that down and think about it for a minute. But what practical use would an NFT be for a regular Joe? I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but it's good to know that it exists. It's it's re- it's a new it's a very newer technology and the money is is like it's going for like hundreds of thousands of dollars some of these top shot you know, right. highlights and they're selling but I I don't know if it's just a fad that's not going to last. Well, I also in my research I found that NFTs have a feature that you can enable that will pay you a percentage every time an NFT is sold or changes hands. That's, the that's called a royalty, yeah. my friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a royalty. So I think so that's nothing new. Yeah, I the, think the technology is technology, new, but the concept. Yeah. I think is that's the same. probably I see the most uh, the most room for growth with, or most uh, ad- adoptability for that is like you want to be able to get that get that royalty for something because up until now you can just copy to your heart's content and not get any like money back from it by attaching it to this blockchain in the NFT line of code there, you you do. You can you can passively get royalties because the technology takes care of it for you. Right. And the reason we are telling you about these things <laughs> is just so you'll be in the know. Sure. You may not have a use for no. this right away, <laughs> but the next time you hear NFT on the news, you might go, oh, I know what that is, right? So I don't know that my, many of us listening to this program would have a practical use for mm. that just yet, but my friends, just like the QR code, we didn't see that coming either. That's true. So that's why we're letting you know yeah. about NFT. Say it again what it is. Non-fungible token. 
Lord. Can't they name <laughs> these things something easier? Really. All right. And now we're going on to acorns. acorns. So if those of you have been watching TV commercials, uh, Ashton Kutcher, I kind of trust him, I guess. He seems like a nice enough guy. Um, he is one of the reps for acorns. And acorns is somewhat of a savings and investment program. What did you learn about it? So it's, it's an app that tie you tie your bank account or credit card to where you can invest money based on your purchases. That seems to be the most popular option is say I buy uh, a cup of coffee for 250. I have the option when I use my car that it's tied to my acorns with an S, acorns. Mm-hmm. I, I kept Googling acorn and it wasn't coming up and I couldn't and figure out like, why. you're like, no, I don't want to make a tree. <laughs> right. I want to know about this investment thing. But anyway, so you would tie your bank account or a credit card to your acorns account and then you yeah. use that card or bank account to purchase something like a $2.50 cup of coffee mm-hmm. and you can tell acorn that I want to take that fi- the 50 cents between right, it 250. Right, because it levels it out. Yeah, it, it rounds up. It out. Yep. So between 250 and $3 and I want to invest that. Right. And so they have a, you don't get to pick your stocks. I am definitely not a financial advisor. I am, yeah, I don't know any of that stuff really. All right. Disclaimer, so don't disclaimer, take any financial disclaimer. advice from this show, please. <laughs> <laughs> so it has a, a set of funds on the stock exchange that it invests that money for you. Yeah. So it's passive. Everything's just, you're going to spend money. You might as well invest while you're spending the money. Yeah. And then you don't feel the loss, I right. think. Is the point it, yeah. of it is it just kind of does it for you, air yeah. quotes again. Um, so it says Acorn's spare change saving tool and cashback rewards programs make investing easy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but the management fee on small accounts is steep. This was, yeah, I was yeah. surprised. I'm so looking like, at it. I'm looking at it. I thought, I thought before we did this show and researching, I thought what it did was, like you said, the coffee 250. Yep. And then I thought it took the 50 cents and put it in a savings account. No, you no. can make it do that. Right. You can do that, mm-hmm. which I liked. I liked mm-hmm. the idea of, oh, it's just going to take my 50 cents, my 30 cents, my 29 cents yeah. and put it in. It's bigger than that. Right, because investing, you have to build on the money, make yeah. your money, make and money. Then, right? And then if things happen in yeah. the real world yes. and you get nervous, yeah. uh, yeah. the stock market, I don't want to be worrying about that. Right. But I guess it's a nice way for you to not feel it, I think. It, it merges the robo-advisor model with an automated savings tool, making it easier to build a nest egg. That's what they say. Right. It's a great entry-level investment opportunity. So here are the pros and cons, my friends. The pros are, according to the Acorns Review of 2021, (laughs) it automatically invests your spare change. Well, that's pretty good. Cash back at select retailers. I didn't know about that. And it has educational content available. The cons are it's a small investment portfolio with high fees on small account balances. Yeah. So I thought originally, oh, I just signed up for this thing and it it takes my money and maybe I pay them a couple dollars a year. No, my friends, it does not work that way. Um, If you you have to spend or there's a cap, you have to spend a certain amount or save a certain amount and then you pay them based on that. So I don't. I no, was surprised they I said like it. one of the reviews I saw said like the low the low, the first tier that you can get is a dollar a month. Yeah, it's fee. Called, that's called light. Yeah, and, and it was... includes a taxable investment account. I don't like taxable stuff. <laughs> right, and that's the right? issue. Right, it gets that's murky. That's why I hired someone else. But that's a topic for another day. <laughs> and then the personal account is three dollars a month, and that adds on an individual retirement account known as an IRA and a checking account. So three dollars a month. So what? Three times twelve. That's thirty-six dollars a year, roughly. 
You're probably going to make more than that. Please don't quote me on that, (laughs) but you're probably going to. So, I mean, Acorns is a modernized old school practice of saving loose change, merging the robo-advisor model with an advanced savings tool, and it's automated. So I guess the whole point of it is you shouldn't feel it. You should just be like, oh, great, I have all this money now. (laughs) But I don't know. Um, They say it's best for hands-off investors. Um, there is no human advisor, by the way. Yeah, There's no Acorns guy algorithm. you can call. Mm-hmm. Like, Ashton is not going to pick up the phone. <laughs> you cannot do that. It's basically supposed to be easy breezy. Yeah. But I'm wondering, if it's tied to every single transaction I make, would I want that? Or would I want to pick and choose? Like, let's say, for example, I buy something for $1,070. Is it going to round up to 100 in that case, I think it's change. Would it, yeah. I think it's just so, change. so, so then it's small, yeah. which I get the uh, acorns. Yeah. I get it, but I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know. I mean, you could, if you have multiple cards, you could use one, just tie one card to it, and therefore strategically purchase and invest that way. But the, the one thing they, the review that I saw says like a dollar a month is actually a huge fee. He was saying uh, fidelity. If you have like a fidelity account, mm-hmm. it, there's like no fee. Right. So, like, I don't understand it because I don't... Because, like, what would be the value? <laughs> Maybe we'll have to have a financial expert yeah. uh-huh. from the town come on. Because what would be the value? The idea yeah. is nice. Because you know how we all have change in our pockets? Oh, yeah. Or I have change in my car. <laughs> I have, like, an old um, Poland Springs bottle. Don't come pick it up. Um, with change in it. You know, we all do it, I yeah, think. Sure, sure. So, I think Acorns was born out of the idea that you've got this change lying around. Mm-hmm. What are you doing with it? I'm not going to turn in that change right away. It's going to yeah. sit there probably yeah. for a long time yeah. until someday when I decide to roll all the coins <laughs> or take it to Coinstar. And so I think the the approach of this is like that. Yeah. You've got extra money. It's supposed to be painless yeah. and easy. But I thought it was just a savings account. Yeah, I know. But it's not. Yeah, yeah. It's and not. It's, and it's I don't know about level. that. But like if you really want to, if, to get started investing, it's a great way to get started. But surprisingly, the dollar a month fee is really expensive when you get into investment. Yeah. So if you're interested, give it a shot and then like really think about looking, contacting Fidelity or yeah. somebody to start up like yeah. a, you know, a reel where you have more control. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I mean, you know, we're just here to tell you what's out there in the right. world and to just share with you what's available and to make you in the know so yeah. you can say, I know what that Acorns thing is and yep. I'm not doing it. Or right. <laughs> I want to do that Acorns thing. I'm a cool dude and I want to do that. We're not saying do it or don't do right. it. We're just letting you know that it exists. I can say I don't think it's for me. I thought it was until I reviewed it. I have an investment guy who does mm-hmm, all that. Mm-hmm. I thought this was just going to take my savings. Yeah. S- yeah. But there is one. I don't know what it is called, but I have seen ads for yeah. that too. There is one that just does that, that just takes the change and rounds huh. it up. It's not an investment portfolio like this one is um and another star is running that one too and i can't remember who it is but this one is a little different so there's investments involved now the reason ashton coach got into this by the way was because as a kid he had several jobs before he became an actor many jobs like he was a janitor he mowed lawns he did all these things and he uh, invested his money as a kid and learned that like his change could go farther that's why he's so committed True acorns. Mm-hmm. It's not because he's married to the acorns executive right. or any of that. He just saw a need and saw a way as a kid if he could have parlayed yeah. some of that paper root money, yeah. if you will, into a better life for himself. 
which is what he did, that's how Acorns was born. Yeah. I don't think he created it, but he's a spokesperson yeah. for the concept. Right. You know, and he's also, let's face it, demographically, he's hitting that middle market. Yeah. You know, what is he all of thirty five? I don't even know I how old know. he is. <laughs> right. But you know, that's the that's where you want to really start doing the bulk of your savings. Most of us probably don't do it until we're older and it's never too late. But I think that company, Acorns, is trying to hit that mm-hmm. middle market so that that five cents is going to over 20, 30, 40 years yeah. become more. If you started it at my age, I'm 57. Yeah. If you started at my age, yeah, it's going to do return, but no way oh, yeah. near yeah. as much as your high end investments yeah. would be. So I think if you start it younger, like mm-hmm. most stuff, yeah. you're going to be better off. Yeah, I think it's a good stepping you know? stone. I think that if you want to get into it and get something when you're young, it's not a bad choice. Yeah, and we shall see what we find out. Who knows? Shall we do some food for thought? Let's do it. And now it's time for your technology tidbit, food for thought. So the common theme of these three was money. And oh, yes, so I money, thought, money, money. <laughs> I got I got thinking, what was the first transaction online? Ooh. And so I have it here. So the first online transaction where money was exchanged, because before now you can say, I have this for sale, come pick it up, give me the money in person. Right. But the first time money was exchanged through the internet Ooh. was August eleventh, nineteen ninety four. Dan Cole had a, a site called, I don't know, Cohen, sorry, Dan Cohen had a site called NetMarket, probably not still around, right? where he sold a copy of Sting's CD, 10 Summoners, mm. for twelve forty eight plus shipping. Wow. <clears throat> and that was the first time something was so, a money was exchanged. Huh. Because his friend gave him money, a credit card information wow. over the internet. You so know, 1994, first e-commerce tra- transaction. Oh, I mean, we're so used to it now. We're so used to just... Oh, just type in my QVC right. code. Just type in my credit card. But in the olden days, my friends, I'm telling you, that was a little scary to do. It still yeah, is a little yeah. bit now. Thank goodness there's so much fraud protection. Yeah. Um, Discover card, I love them. They're really good about it. Most of your bank cards, mm-hmm. too, if it's drawn on your bank, are really good about correcting fraud and stuff. But, wow, that's pretty bold. 1994. Like, yeah. That's I think wow. there was some legislation passed to Because I was gonna say, like that's kinda murky a little bit. Yeah. There's I, tax. There's gotta be tax involved there. The government's gonna want their cut. So I don't I don't not all transactions online have tax. I know. It's weird. Yeah. But it's changing. Have you noticed? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Amazon never used to charge right. tax. But now they know where I live. Well, I think because the states are, are needing, yes. their, needing their money, their of income. Course. Well, now <laughs> they know where I live. They're on to me. <laughs> yes. Um but yeah, I've noticed a lot more. Yeah. Um, situ- and, you know, I used to do like everybody, well, not everybody, but a lot of people do go to New Hampshire to avoid the tax, tax. you know. But if I buy it online, they're going to get me, you yep. know, because Uncle Sam wants his cut, right? Yeah, everybody. Okay, what do we got coming up next for the folks? We got a lot of cool stuff we're yeah. going to do. And, and we should let you know, we do try to highlight what we're covering, but... For example, the pandemic, we did yeah. not foresee that. I don't know who might have, except Fauci. We did not <laughs> see that coming. So we changed up some of our shows to help better serve you, if you will. So um, we can tell you some of the things that are coming up. But if something <coughs> wacky comes up, we're going to try to cover it for you. But what did we say we're going to cover next? Let's see. So I think the next one will be the, the library actually turns 150 years old this wow. uh, this July. So And it looks so good for 150. <laughs> well, the building's only been around <laughs> since 1969 <laughs> as an institution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's changed in the pandemic. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, yeah, yeah, so we'll, we'll share some ideas. Maybe we'll get some guests to come in, <coughs> talk about how it's not your mom and dad's 
kids' old library. It wasn't before, really. But now with the pandemic, yeah. there's, you know, some changes. And some of those may stay. Some of them may not. I think some of the things we learned from the pandemic, we might say, yeah, you know, this hand-washing thing? Good idea, yeah. right? Uh, who knew? You know, so there may be some residual things that stay around after the pandemic, um, but we'll see how the library is going to change. And mm-hmm. I think we taught a, talked about a couple other things we're going to try to do, um, talk about digital frames and how those work, maybe some of the new fun technology that's out there, because we don't want to be modeling all the time, you know. Um, but some of the new technology and, and how that's going to impact your life. And of course, as always, I'll have Brad explain the companion page and how you can get involved. Sure. So if you go to wilmlibrary.org slash BDD, it will have a list of our previous episodes and uh, our current episode right there. And at the bottom, it has a contact form. So if you have any topic you would like Lisa and I to cover, please let us know. Yeah. And I mean, three seasons, my friends. I know. Everything you could, I think <laughs> almost everything you could want to ever know, almost, almost. is in there. Until they come up with new stuff, (laughs) and then we'll do some more of that. But yeah, um, look back. Please look back. Um, We hope that this helps you. That's the whole reason why we started the program, um, to help educate and inform and enlighten as much as we can. And if we're on the wrong track, certainly let us know, because, you know, technology is an interesting (laughs) thing. That is true. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks so much for being with us today for another episode of Bridging the Digital Divide. 